Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is internet marketing. Now, before we start today, Site Visibility have recently released their 2020 PPC automation guide. It's completely free to download, and it's going to help you to get started with each of the new automation settings in Google Ads. So this includes smart bidding, responsive ad, testing, dynamic search ads, and more. So the best way to accelerate your PPC growth in 2020 is to start planning today. So download your free guide at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash PPC dash automation dash guide. I'll say that once more. Bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash PPC dash automation dash guide. Now, today I'm joined by Jeremy North, founder at Spartan Media, which is based in Florida, USA. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on today. It's an absolute pleasure. Why don't you start off by telling our lovely listeners all about yourself and all about Spartan Media? All right. So I started my first agency after I got out of the Marine Corps, and I've been involved in digital marketing pretty much since the late 90s. Worked with all kinds of clients from you know little tiny startups all the way up to you know companies like the Hilton. And uh, let's see, I've got a regular column at several publications talking about various digital marketing topics, and uh, I guess that's pretty much it for now. Do, do you think that the uh, the discipline of, of being ex-military has helped you in your business? Oh, I think absolutely. Yeah. There's so much, and aside from the discipline, right, I had, I think I had quite a bit of discipline even before I went in. That's yeah. why yeah. I thrived in that environment to begin with. But more so than the discipline is the massive, insane levels of challenges that you face in the mm. military. Yeah. Uh, it really prepares you for taking on some bigger things later in life. Amazing. So I want to talk about uh, two or three things that are fairly self-contained. First thing I want to talk about today is making your website user-friendly. And I know you've got a few ideas about that, haven't you? Let's Let's start off by talking about that. Well, the biggest thing from that perspective really is to think about the user more so than yourself, right? Everybody, I, I know in agencies or in the digital marketing world, it's a little bit easier for us because we're we're not attached to a company's website the way that they might be, mm. right? A lot of people, they'll go and they'll they'll want to make their website a certain way because it appeals to them or it says something about them and, and who they are. 
and they kind of treat it like you know their blank canvas for expressing themselves. And the reality is that's a it's a terrible approach. You need to approach it from the perspective of what's going to appeal to your customers the most. And you know that's where people really get it wrong. So I'm talking about everything from the copy to the images to the design. All aspects of that need to need to really be focused on the user. And I think the problem is that a lot of people don't do that. One of the things that we can do there is is testing. So I know you and I we've got we've got a fairly deep technical background. So certain things might be very common sense or intuitive to us, but not necessarily the case for other people. So I've got a a SaaS product that we've been working on for a while, and I assumed it would be interpreted a certain way. And when I actually tested it, it turns out that some of the users they didn't quite get it the same way that that uh, I did. Oh, so yes. that's why it's really important to, to do testing to make sure that it actually is user-friendly for the users rather than you know worrying about what you think about it. There's a lot of great tools for that, but one of the things that I found to be really effective is actually using Zoom. And we could just remote in with somebody and watch them as they go through it. Or you can even take it a step further and have them explain to you like what's going through their head as yeah. they're going through this site. And then you can kind of understand their thought process and you can watch their mouse move around and kind of get a feel for how this works for that particular type of person. Mm. And that's a really valuable uh, approach. And it makes you see the website and your website in a completely different way, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you look at it, when you've built your own website or you know you had somebody build a website the way you wanted it to, that's your baby. Nobody wants to be told their baby's ugly. Yeah, but we know that there are some ugly babies out there. Yeah, and it's the same with the website. You know, it has to really work with the customers. That's the most important part. Yeah, because I remember being a developer. I remember I've worked on quite a few government projects, and I always remember one project in particular. Um, it was it was a system that enabled people to to visit, you know, friends and relatives in prison, basically. And I okay. always remember going on um, a usability uh, sort of. Testing session with the usability people because we had separate people doing usability and user research and all that sort of stuff, and it was such an eye opener to see users who had never seen the system before trying to use the system that I had been working on for months. Or not wasn't just me; it was me and the team of people. But it uh-huh. completely opens your eyes and you and you see it in a different way and you realize, oh, hang on a minute, I never saw that before. But yeah, having that button there is actually really confusing. You know, it's just it's just things like that. I, I just want to move on, and I want to talk about speed actually, because I know that uh, certainly, or oh, I don't know, a few years ago, uh, you would often hear experts say, "Oh, your your website must load fast, otherwise people are going to get bored and just come off it." I'm assuming that is still a thing. I mean, I'm just oh, absolutely. Probably, I'm being naive here because I'm just assuming, oh, people have massively fast broadband now, but of course that's not true at all. A lot of people don't have fast broadband, but I'm guessing that's still true, isn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, while internet speeds have gone up, so has the size of pages. I mean, I remember working on one of my first websites back in, uh, it was 1999 sometime. And like the entire website was like 15K. So, you know, now you've got a single image that's bigger than that. Mm. So despite having significantly faster internet than we've ever had, we still have to really focus on what we can do to optimize that speed because it's not just 
like there's a lot of factors here. There's the search aspect, right? If a page is slower, it's generally not going to rank as well. But then also purely from a user perspective, if it's slow, they're going to get frustrated and leave. There was a study done, and uh, I know I've cited it in a couple of my articles over on Search Engine Journal, where Amazon had done extensive testing, and they found that for, I think it was a 100 millisecond decrease in speed, they lost something crazy like $10 million oh, in gosh. sales. Yeah. So now, obviously, they're working at a very different scale than any of us are, but the reality is that if you slow it down, you're going to frustrate users and, you know, depending on, you know, how, how slowly it loads, they may not stick around. They may just bounce out and go try to find another site that loads a little bit faster. The problem I see a lot of people make is they don't, they don't give any thought to this. They, they look at the, you know, the front end. Does it look nice? Does it say what I want it to say? Does it, you know, create the kind of impression I want, but they don't really look at, you know, how it performs. Mm. So there was a, a large company that uh, I know the founder of, and he was so excited about this new website that he just launched, spent lots and lots of money building it. And, you know, it, the development time took way longer than he anticipated. But when he finally got it up, he was so happy. And I went and I ran uh, the audit tool in Google, in uh, Chrome, mm. and all of the scores across the board were in single digits. It was it was terrible. The speed was garbage. The usability was garbage. The like all of the performance factors were just through the floor. And that's the problem we have is is most people don't think about what's going on on the back end. And they don't think about that because they don't realize the impact that it has on their business. Um, so, that, I mean, there's a lot of ways we can fix that. And having it properly developed from the ground up as one, but also minimizing, you know, the number of plugins or extra scripts or things like that. There's actually, I, I wrote a great article over a search engine journal that actually goes really deep into the technical on, on how to do all of that. Yeah. So. Well, we'll make sure we put those in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you. Now I want to move on to talk about video, specifically mm -hmm. uh, the role in terms of, I don't know, I guess, I guess three main areas, SEO, branding, and, and, and awareness. And I know you do a lot of work yeah. with that. What are your thoughts there? So right now, if people aren't doing video, they are seriously putting themselves at a disadvantage. It's really powerful all the way around. I mean, think about it like this, right? I'm sure you've met somebody that you, you talk to them for a couple of minutes and you either hit it off or you think that they're just a terrible person. You don't want to talk to them, yes, right? Yes. <laughs> so video, it's, it's basically creating that kind of an environment online, yeah. right? People are going to engage with you or not engage with you. And both of those are actually a good thing. And for the one that maybe seems counterintuitive, how can people not liking you be a good thing? Well, what happens is if they don't like you and you try to kind of force that into being uh, a fit, try to turn them into a client, mm. then a good chance is they're going to be a pain in the ass. You guys aren't going to get along. It's just going to be a toxic relationship. So by filtering those people out, let them go somewhere else. You get the people that are a better fit for you. Mm. You're going to have a better working environment. You're going to have a better relationship with them. You'll be able to produce better results and everybody wins. So video plays a really good role in attracting the right people and pushing away the wrong people. Um, and that's all part of building an effective brand. But it also plays a role in SEO, right? If we're keeping them on that site longer, that's going to signal to Google that the content that they're finding on that site is good. It's useful. It's satisfying their intent, their searcher's mm. intent. 
So it definitely plays a big factor there. But on top of that, if we're using it correctly, right? Like on, you know, if we're talking about like a Facebook live or something like that, that's kind of, it goes up and then it pretty much just goes away. Like you can still get to that, but there's no lasting effect. But Mm -hmm. if you're putting it up on YouTube, then you've got this video that's searchable and can start driving traffic from day one until infinity. So it creates a lot of awareness if you're using it properly. And then, you know, on that note, if you're doing that, like, let's say you're doing a topic on a, a video on a particular topic, it's a good idea to include a link in that description to a particular page on your site, help drive more traffic back to your site. So now you're getting exposure through this other search engine and then driving traffic back to your site that way. Mm. I'm just wondering, actually, you know, in, in the current climate, you know, there's a lot of over the world because of the coronavirus, there's a lot of lockdowns. Are we seeing mm. a greater peak in video consumption? Absolutely. Yeah. I saw some stats earlier um, last week, and I don't remember the exact amount. I think it was 74% increase in traffic on Facebook. Yeah, that and a large about, yeah. portion of that was video. Yeah. So yeah. video is, and there was actually uh, another, another, stat that I cited in another article somewhere that I think it was Sision had found uh, they were projecting 82% of all internet traffic to be video by uh, I think it was 2021 or 22 something like that mm-hmm. so it's definitely growing It's and it's going to become more important than ever yeah the ever growing trend of video so let's talk about so we talked about uh website usability website friendliness we've talked about video let's talk about a few thoughts on generally how to grow in in 2020 perhaps around building a brand (laughs) uh getting the customer's attention the adaptability let's talk a bit about that yeah 2020 is going to be a bit of an interesting year for all of us i think so far you know, up to Q1, it's been kind of a dumpster fire for most people. Hmm. I think what we're going to see, first of all, is there's going to be a lot of companies that are going to die completely. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of feast or famine from there. There's going to be, you know, the companies that die, the market share that they had will get gobbled up by the other companies that are still floating around. The key here is going to be building a brand. And this is something I've been talking about for a while. A lot of people, they... They just want the company to be out here and just sell this thing. They're not building anything to engage with beyond that, though, right? There's no – the company doesn't stand for anything. It doesn't take a position. It's just very bland. It's dry. And if you don't give someone – well, let me back up for a second. Part of the reason they don't take a stand or take a position that could cause someone to be passionate about them is because they're afraid that they'll turn some people off. Mm. And – that's not a problem. It's okay to turn people off. If you're not giving anyone a reason to be passionate about your brand, then you're just going to basically be a commodity, right? So, you know, whatever the topic is, like you don't have to go out here and start talking about politics or, uh, you know, take a stand on some particular controversial issue, but you have to do something that's going to give someone a reason to actually care about the brand, you know, part of that comes down to actually caring about your customers, like genuinely caring, not this bullshit that we see from most most brands today. Mm. But you have to take a, a very particular position that's going to bring in the right people and push away the wrong people. On top of that, something else that we want to do is we want to own the customer's attention. 
I see a lot of business owners that are focused on customer acquisition, and that's always a very important thing. But it's not the end game. It's not just, hey, let's get this customer and then go find the next one. You need to own their attention. And it's not just, you know, let's find them on social media or let's get them to our website. But let's get them everywhere. All right. So you get them to your website. But then when they're there, you do everything in your power to get them to sign up for your newsletter. And we don't want to call we don't want to call it a newsletter, right? Like sign up to get this piece of information, whatever it is. Like you'd have this guide or, you know, this video that teaches you how to do this thing, whatever it is. But you get them into your list and now you can continue marketing to them. Or you do remarketing through, you know, Facebook or Google or combination of all of these things, right? But now you're able to reach them on multiple platforms. So if your competitor is showing up in one place and then in for you, you can email that customer, you can show up on social media, you show up when they search for something on Google, you're just everywhere. That's the company that's going to thrive in a time like this. Yeah. You know, things, things are going to be very, very competitive for at least the remainder of 2020, maybe longer. Um, but the companies that are using multi-channel to really own that customer's attention, those are going to be the ones who dominate it. And then beyond that, like we all just have to be ready to adapt fast. You know, when this coronavirus thing kicked off, you had companies that went from, you know, old school traditional thinking, and now they've got to have complete remote teams and figure out how to do all of this stuff and adapt their marketing and, mm. you know, take all of these steps. And, you know, the companies who can do that are going to be the ones that thrive. So if you had uh, a one leaving thought for our listeners, we've spoken about three things Jeremy, what might it be? I think the most important thing I would say right now, especially with what's going on, is have the ability to adapt. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I did see in the beginning of when all this happened, we saw a lot of people just kind of stick their heads in the sand and be like, oh, well, it, this is going to be fine. It's going to be over with, you know, next week or whatever. Mm. It's not. And when we see a massive change like this, we have to adapt fast and it has to be a bold move in most cases. The companies that are able to do that are going to absolutely crush it. This is the kind of time, you know, when you see a when you see a downturn in the economy, that's where you start to see a complete change in the landscape of industries. So somebody who was virtually unheard of last year, mm. next year could be an industry giant. And that's going to come down to, you know, adapting to what we're going through and basically gobbling up the market share of the companies that don't. So that's, I think that's the most important thing for people right now. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on today. How can our listeners find out more about you and more about Spartan Media? I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, if you just Google my name, one of my columns or my LinkedIn profile or social media profile will come up. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, obviously. I've got a YouTube channel, Facebook, you name it. it I, I can be found pretty much anywhere. Brilliant. And just to let our listeners know, your surname is spelt K-N-A-U-F-F, isn't it? That is correct. Brilliant. We'll put those links in the show notes. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening, everyone. The show notes will be in the usual place. And that's sitevisibility.co.uk slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. That would be great. Hopefully a good one. Um, questions and suggestions? The email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can tweet at sitevisibility. We have a site visibility group on LinkedIn. That's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Jeremy. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.